Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Christian Fellowship. We hope that you'll be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Title of my message is Growing in Favor. Growing in Favor. How many of you feel special when you are favored? You go into a certain situation, and I will never forget, uh, I was sharing this with Siobhan the other day. I, I went, when I was a teenager, and sort of 16, 17, up to when I was about 19, I went on a few overseas trips with a, a tour group. And after I'd gone on the third tour uh, with this tour group, they, they have a, a, a reunion. So a couple of months after everybody's got back, you've been traveling with a group of people for five weeks, and you're in one another's pockets and in one another's suitcases. So you form really close and strong, strong bonds with these people, and then few months later you have a reunion and it's really great to just see everyone again and I'll never forget I think it was after my third tour I arrived a little bit late for for one of these reunions and I walked into the venue and as I walked into the venue the head guy who who organized these things says and here comes the legendary Michael Morris and everyone turned looked at me and started cheering and I was a little taken aback I liked it of course the legendary Michael Morris but all eyes were on me, and I felt very significant and very important. Well, when, I want you to understand this morning that when God looks at you, He looks at the legendary Tanae and the legendary Lydia. That's nice because it even rhymes. That's double legendary. And we talk about the favor of God being on us. That's not just eye service or lip service. But the favor of God, in other words, the presence of God being on us, His goodness, we've been singing about it, His faithfulness, His kindness on our lives, working in our lives, because He favors us. Now, which, which biblical character would you say probably most displays a life marked by the favor of God? Any guesses? Sorry? David's a good option. Jesus is the one I was kind of going for there, Ron. I mean, you aimed high, but we'll go one, we'll go one better than that. <laughs> and I want to read a portion of Scripture to you this morning from the book of Luke, chapter 2. We're going to talk about Jesus. And in this portion of Scripture, Jesus is still a young man. And his family have gone to Jerusalem for the Passover feast. It was customary that everybody traveled to Jerusalem for this feast. And we're going to read from Luke 2. Chapter, Luke chapter 2, from verse 41 to 52, and we're going to read the account of what happened while they were there. It says this, His parents went to Jerusalem every year for the feast, of the feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, he went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. Let's pause for a moment. How many of you are acquainted with 12-year-olds? Okay. Just kind of get that in your, your mind. We always have this idea of Jesus with a beard and long hair, and his, he was 12, Okay. You know, his, 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 his sandals were still flopping on his feet. When they had finished the days, as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother did not know it, but supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him among their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem, seeing him, seeking him. Now, so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking questions. So when, and all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his, answered, and his answers. 
So when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you done this to us? I really love that. You know, a mom is now worried, sick. And I think we over-spiritualize the Bible sometimes. I think it, it would be pretty fitting to have Mary in a state of a little frustration going, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? Can you imagine a 12-year-old saying that? Almost seems cheeky, but we couldn't say that because it's Jesus, right? So what we see here by this incident is that Jesus, at the age of 12, already understood his calling from a very young age. He knew what it was, kind of, that God had called him to do, that he was the Messiah, and he was already, at 12 years old, thinking, I'm ready to work this thing out. But he still had to grow into this calling. While he understood what it was, he himself was not ready yet. It was premature. Verse 50 says, But they did not understand the statement that Jesus made or what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. What does that mean? He was in subjection to them. In submission to his mom and dad. This is Jesus. This is the creator of the heavens and the earth who was there right at the beginning when, it was, when, when creation was breathed. The Messiah, God Almighty in the flesh, subject to his mom and dad. Though he knew his calling, though he knew his purpose, and though he desired to get onto it, the moment wasn't yet right. And he says, but his mother kept all of these things in her heart. And then verse 52 says something really interesting. And Jesus increased in wisdom, we don't have an issue with that one, and stature, in other words, he grew up, and in favor with God and with man. We're going to leave it for there right now. Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, and in favor. Now that's a really interesting statement, because wouldn't you think that from the moment he was conceived, he was born, that Jesus would already be highly favored of God, right? I mean, the angel came and said to Mary, you are highly favored among women. You are going to bear in your womb the Messiah. Surely Jesus, Son of God, was already favored. I mean, to the max level. How, what does Scripture mean when it says that Jesus grew in favor? Maybe when God looked at him, he actually thought, yeah, he's quite a funny-looking baby. I don't like him all that much. And as he grew, you know, he grew to like him more. Is that what it means? No. I would like to pose a suggestion to you this morning. God's full favor was upon Jesus from the moment of his birth, just like God's full favor is upon you and upon me as we are born again. But Jesus had to grow into it. If you would imagine favor as a garment that you wear, my kids need to grow into clothes that fit my size. I had a, I had a feeling of what this is like. We had a bit of a, a laundry setback this week in our home where one of my jerseys happened to find its way into the washing machine and now it fits Stephen. <laughs> I have outgrown the favor of that jersey. Stephen has grown into the favor of that jersey. Like a child that cannot wear adult clothes yet needs to grow into them, needs to fold them so you and I need to learn how to grow into and how to carry and to wear the favor of God. 
That's what Jesus needed to learn. He still, as a young man of 12, needed to grow into the favor of God and into the favor of men. You see, the calling and the gifting of God on our lives are the instruments of His favor. And we need to learn how to play them. I like that analogy. It's like having a guitar. That guitar and the gift to be able to play it is an instrument of God's favor in my life. I have, I have the gift of being able to play music, a gift that I'm very grateful for. I love making music, whether it's on the guitar or on the drums or on the dining room table or anywhere, ask my wife, there's generally some kind of banging or singing or melody going on 24-7. My girls have inherited that gift. Please pray for my wife. But I need to practice that gift. I need to grow into it. I, I, I didn't, it didn't come fully developed. My ability to flow in worship like this didn't come fully developed one day. I needed to grow into that gift, into that calling, into that favor. Now let's look at the definition of favor. What is favor? If we talk about growing in favor, which we're talking about today, it's the theme of my message, what is favor? Well, favor is goodwill. In other words, I wish you well. It's, the, it's, the, it's God's looking upon you, wanting what is best for you. Out of the benevolence of who He is, he, the Bible says, may the face of the Lord shine upon you and be gracious to you. We understand that blessing. Favor is also approval. I approve of you. I approve of that thing. That action or that thing has my favor because I approve of that way of thinking or whatever it may be. It also means preference of one over another. I have two or three guitars. I favor that one. You understand? There are, of, of, of all the companies that I could get to quote to do a certain job, we favored that one. So in other words, I, I favor that over others. And it also means preferential treatment. Preferential treatment. That's quite a hot word in our society these days, isn't it? Everybody must be equal and everybody must be treated the same, right? Well, does God treat us all the same? <laughs> no. <laughs> He'll say, yes, God treats us. No, God doesn't treat us all the same. If God laid on me the burden that he lays on somebody else, I well, might well not be able to handle that. God treats us all fairly in love. He loves us all the same, but he treats us according to our level of faith. He treats us according to our level of obedience. You see, the favor and the blessing of God that I experience and that I walk in in my life is a result of my faith in Him and my obedience to His Word. Now, I look at somebody else's life and I say, why are they being blessed and I'm not being blessed? It looks like God favors them over me. Well, does God love them more? No. What's the difference? They've grown into the favor of God on their lives. You have to find the favor on yours, and you have to grow into that. You see, God has, again, the musical analogy, I like it because it's a good one. God has favored me and blessed me with the gift of music. Therefore, I can, I have the capacity to grow into that. God has not favored everybody with that particular gift. The earlier we, they realize that, the better for the rest of us. But God has not blessed me with the gifts. Some of us are, are actuaries, numbers. They love numbers or they're accountants or litigators. We've got litigators amongst us. I don't like arguments, and I don't like equations. God has not gifted me there, right? So I stay away. That's not my area of gifting. You understand the point that I'm making. 
I need to find the favor and the blessing and the call of God that is on my life and to grow into that. Now, God's favor affects you and I and believers in that the Bible says that we are in Christ. In other words, the same blessing and favor and, that, and, and goodness that is on Jesus' life is on you and my life, and it belongs to us. Ephesians 1, verse 3, we're familiar with the Scripture. I want to read it from the Passion Translation for you this morning. It says this, Every spiritual blessing, how many spiritual blessings? Every single one, all of them, withholding nothing, in the heavenly realm has been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father, the, Lord, the Father of our Lord Jesus, and all because He sees us wrapped into Christ. I like that. I think that's really beautiful. And this is why we celebrate Him in our hearts. So this scripture tells us, and this is just one of many scriptures, I don't want to go into, into all of that right now today, but it tells us how we are cloaked, covered in, wrapped in the fullness of God's love, His blessing, and His favor. In other words, it's all there. It's all available to us. It's all upon us, if you like. It's all within us in the presence of the Holy Spirit. But, as I've said, it's something we need to grow into. And in the same way that Jesus, at 12 years old, having it all there and available to Him, still needed to grow into it, still needed to understand and grow in certain things so that the fullness of the... Uh, uh, the uh, so that the maturity of, to, to work himself into the maturity of that blessing and that favor, so you and I do too. We see this again in the book of Galatians. Turn with me to Galatians chapter 3. And we're going to read a portion of scripture from there. Galatians 3, verse 26. We're going to start there, and we're going to go all the way through to Galatians 4, verse 7. It's speaking about our sonship, our identity, the fullness of the favor and the inheritance we've received from God. In all of Paul's letters, he reaffirms this, how God sees you and how God sees me. Galatians 3.26 says this, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So in other words, the promises and the covenants of the favor that God bestowed upon the nation of Israel through the covenant that God made with Abraham belongs to you and to me. Through faith in Jesus, we've come into the inheritance of those promises. He goes on to say, Now I say that an heir, as long as he is a child or immature, does not differ from a slave, though he is master of all but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Isn't that exactly what happened to Jesus? He was placed under guardians and stewards. His mom and dad, Joseph and Mary, he was placed under them until the time appointed by the? By the? By the? By the Father. Not by Jesus. Jesus thought the time was when he was in the temple at 12 years old. And mom said, my boy, it's not the time yet. I find it very interesting that Jesus' first miracle that is completed is when he, he's arguing, his mom says there's no wine here. At, with, he says this to him with expectation. There's no wine at this wedding feast that we are at. And he says to her, woman, what is that to do with me? My time has not yet come. And his mom says, yes, it has. <laughs> Whatever he says to do, do it. You see, his mom is the one who said, it's not your time yet, my boy. But there was another time that God ordained for Mary to say, now is your time. 
I find it beautiful that Jesus himself was ushered by his parents into the divine seasons of God and then ushered by John the Baptist, recognized by the prophet, God's legitimate authority to affirm, yes, this is the time. And we're going to look into that a little bit later. Where was I? Verse 3, even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because you are sons, God sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son, and if a son, then an heir of God through Christ Jesus. You see, really what, God, what Paul is doing in this letter here is he's calling the church to grow into the fullness of the reality that Christ has made available to them. He's encouraging them. He's egging them on. He's nudging them on to find not just an understanding or a knowledge that, yes, this is there, but to grow into the full experience, the full realization of what is available, bringing the character and the power of Christ within experiential maturity in our lives. Experiential maturity. Where we have matured into the likeness of Christ and where we can be trusted to accurately represent Him. And this ought to become, as believers for you and me, the natural expression of our heart. That is the sign of maturity. And again, we see this so clearly demonstrated in the life of Jesus. We know Matthew 3.17, I'll read it for you. As I've said, Jesus goes to John the Baptist. He's baptized by John. The, the Father, God, speaks from heaven as the Holy Spirit comes and alights on him in the shape of a dove. And God says, this is my Son, whom I love and in whom I am well pleased. He affirms his identity, my son. He pours out his affection, whom I love and in whom I am well pleased. He affirms him. He says to him, my favor is upon you. I affirm you. And folks, today, as we stand in Christ Jesus, God the Father's song remains the same over you and over me. You are my child whom I love and whom I favor greatly. My favor is towards you. My favor rests upon you. And what's the very next thing that happens? The Holy Spirit leads Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted. We would think that at that moment, all glory would you know, take place and the angels would sing and everyone would recognize he was the Messiah. No, God says at this point, now that you know who you are, now that I've affirmed my affection and my love for you, and that I've told you and shown you that my favor is upon you, we're going to see whether that's really settled down deep within who you are. You see, it's interesting that the Holy Spirit led Jesus out into the wilderness to be tempted. Jesus didn't wander there, and it wasn't the devil that came to him. The Holy Spirit said, it's time to test what's going on in your heart. To tempt means to test for weakness. That's why when we at universities and at our schools, we have tests. Because they want to see what is your aptitude. Is there weakness? And what's the best way to find out where that weakness is and what that weakness is? It's to test. We test for it so that the weakness can come up to the front. Why? So that you can feel like, like a fool? No. So that you can see the weakness and deal with it. Right? How many of you want to go into cardiac surgery or neurosurgery with a guy who hasn't been properly tested or, you know, passed with 33 and a third percent. 
Yeah? How does that sit with you? No, I'd rather choose somebody else. Right? That guy, to have that doctorate on his name, to, be, to have that special, those, those extra letters after his name, he needs to have gained and attained consistently a certain standard. He needs to be punching above the weight of his, of his peers in a specific area of specialization. You can't promote someone who has not come to maturity or wholeness or capability in their craft or in their field. You cannot give... I mean, I know we have, we have auditors with us today, and both of those guys had to go through what they call... Uh, what's that exam called? The articles. You had to do your articles. And I know that was a, that was a rough exam. And we have, we have, you know, people who've got serious qualifications among us here. You, there's, there's a, until you are ready, until they recognize within you the maturity that you've captured your subject matter, that you're able to flow in it and function in it to a suitable degree, they're not going to infer the degree or the qualification or the role to you. This recognition and this promotion is called favor. We recognize that you are functioning within a level of gifting and ability. Therefore, we favor you to do this job. We favor you to operate in that particular realm and calling. It means that you can be trusted with greater responsibility. Isn't it interesting that Jesus was not released into public ministry? He didn't perform a single miracle until after the temptation in the wilderness. Why? Because God needed to test him. Where the first Adam failed, God needed to make sure that the second Adam didn't. Where God could not trust mankind, God had to ensure that he could trust the Son. Now many of you may have an issue with me saying, well, God had to check if he could trust Jesus. Because we have this... You know, Jesus was 100% God. I don't ever question Jesus' divinity, but Jesus was also 100% man. And the Bible says he was tested in all things just as you and I are tested. The thing that makes Jesus remarkable is not that he was subject to a different set of rules from you and me. The thing that makes Jesus remarkable is that he was placed under the same scrutiny as you and I, yet without sin. Where you and I failed, where Adam failed, Jesus passed. And because of that, Jesus could be trusted with the salvation of the world to be the Messiah. Folks, we like to ask God for more power, more blessing. God, would you give more provision? Would you give more understanding? And all of these things. I know good prayers to pray. But the question really is, can I trust you with what you are asking me for? Have you risen to a place of spiritual maturity where you are able to carry the weight of the expectation and the pressure and the responsibility that comes with what you are asking for? You want abundant resources. Can you manage them? You want an anointing. Can you handle an anointing? You want wisdom. Would you know what to do with it if I gave it to you? You understand? We want the favor of God. We want to walk in it. The truth is, folks, God is not withholding His favor from you or for me. He is waiting for you and for me to grow to a level where that favor can be experienced and expressed through our faith in Him, in receiving it, 
and our obedience to Him in walking it out and living it out. You and I experience the measure of faith, of blessing, of understanding, of favor that we have matured into. That's as simple as it is. We've been given it all, but we've only grown to where we are. That's why when Paul writes to Timothy, he says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Isn't that incredible? Be diligent to present yourself approved. But hang on a second. Jesus had already died. Timothy was already saved. Surely God already approved of him. Yes, of course. What does he mean? He means that you have come to a place of maturity where God would approve of you to function in a, in a new realm of anointing, in a different level of influence for his glory and for his kingdom's sake. A worker that does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I feel that in the times we are in, in the season we are in, with so many things going on around us, I'm amazed just within the spheres that I, you know, have fingers in and the people that I have conversations with, how caught up we are in everything that is going on around us. If it's not COVID, it's the U.S. elections. And if it's not the U.S. elections, it's Mr. Magashula and what's gone on there. And if it's not there, it's Brackenfell. And if it's not Brackenfell, it's, it, you know, it, it, there's so many things happening in the media, in the storms, in the world, in the seasons around us. COVID has brought us to a place where we are sort of so isolated and so much more aware of all those things that are going on around us. And folks, I want to say to you that I believe the Lord is saying, you are so concerned about the things that are going on around you. I, and it shows by what is coming out of your mouth. <laughs> it shows by what is coming out of you. It shows by the fear. It shows by the unsettledness. It shows. I'm really concerned about what's going on within you. You see, we need to have an honest look at what we have been doing with that which God, has been, which, which God has entrusted to us. His favor, His blessing, His light, His word, His Holy Spirit. What do we do with God's word? How do we treat it? Is there a measure of honor and reverence that is given to the word of God in our lives where we give ourselves to it? To study, to read. What do we do with the Holy Spirit that God has placed inside of us? Are we cognizant of His presence? Or do we just kind of largely go on with life, knowing He's there and comforted by that, but generally ignore Him along the way? What do we do, do with the callings and the giftings that God has entrusted to us? How do we manage the growth of our spirit man, of our souls? James, I've got a couple more scriptures to read to you. Three more scriptures, and then I'm going to round, out, round, this, out, round this out. James chapter 1, I'm going to read this again from the Passion Translation simply because I love the way it, it words it and, and, and brings together so much of what I want to communicate to you this morning. James 1, 22 to 25 says this. Don't just listen to the word of truth and not respond to it. For that is the essence of self-deception. Let's pause for a moment. It grieves my heart that I see churches and sometimes even in my own life hearing what the Word of God is saying, reading what the Word of God says, and thinking that because I understand it, somehow... You see, there's other voices going on. And, it's okay. It's okay. It's 
It's all good. Hearing what the Word of God is saying and giving myself over to it. He says this, don't just listen to the Word of Truth and not respond to it, which is the essence of self-deception. In other words, I think because I know something about the Word of God that I'm dressed in it, that I'm wearing it, that I've grown... There's this garment that Jesus shows of, of this kind of blessing or this kind of life. And I think because I know of the garment and I can see it's got four buttons and it's, this one is beautiful red with a white frill, for lack of better terminology. I understand the garment. I can see the garment. That doesn't mean I'm wearing the garment. Do you understand the difference? Many of us can see the garment. Many of us have a good idea of what the garment looks like. But there's a very big difference having a garment hanging in my cupboard or hanging on my cupboard so that at least I can see it versus wearing the garment and having the garment fit. He goes on to say, So always let this word become like poetry written and fulfilled by your life. If you listen to the word and don't live out the message you hear, you become like the person who looks in the mirror of the word to discover the reflection of his face in the beginning. In other words, you perceive how God sees you in the mirror of his word, blessed, favored, beloved, anointed, full of, full of his presence and of grace and of wisdom where every spiritual gift has been given to you in the heavenly realm. You see that and you read it and you look at and that's how God sees me. But when you go out, you forget your divine origin. And you continue to listen to and to see things like the world around you is seeing them. And you moved up and you're that way. And you vacillate and you're in there and then you're out and you don't know what to make of that. And then you're down and then you're excited and then you're discouraged and... Because we lose sight of, we lose remembrance of who we truly are and the favor and the blessing that rests upon us in God. We haven't grown into the fullness of that identity yet. But those who set their gaze deeply into the perfecting law of liberty are fascinated by and respond to the truth they hear and are strengthened by it. They experience God's blessing in all that they do. In other words, they grow into that favor. They begin to wear it and to walk in it, and others look at it and they go see, oh, I love that outfit. Where did you get that? Well, this one this morning is um, John 3.16. Wait till you see what I'm going to wear next week. Where'd you get that? Oh, I'll tell you. In the midst of the spiritual climate we are in, and in the midst of the spiritual climate, ladies and gentlemen, hear me now, that we are entering into, we need to focus more on what is going on inside of our hearts and how we live it out than we do to what is going on around us. Because a lot of stuff is currently going on around us, but I'm going to tell you a lot more stuff is going to be going on around us things for the church, things for those who believe and who call Jesus their Lord and Savior are not getting easier or rosier. There's, there's a heightened persecution. There's a heightened resistance to God and to the things of God and to the name and the kingdom of Jesus. When we keep looking at that, we shrink back in fear. We need to be far more aware 
of what is going on within our hearts and aware of what it is that God is saying to us. We are either going to be led by the Spirit of God as sons and daughters of God, or we are going to be led as sons and daughters of the world around us. We get to choose. In other words, we take on the likeness of. We're either going to take on the likeness of Christ, grow into and mature into His favor and His blessing and His righteousness and work out our salvation through fear and trembling, or we are going to continue taking on the likeness of the world in fear, in doubt, in unbelief, not knowing what tomorrow holds, being very uncertain and fearful, and leading us to that place where the world lives. And what is that place? That place is called self-preservation where I become locked into making sure that I need to do all I can, that me and mine are taken care of to hell with the rest of them. That's this world's way of thinking right now. In very insecure times, we tend to draw back and make sure that we're okay. Guys, we are children of, the, of God Almighty. We just sung the song, our God is an awesome God who reigns from heaven above with wisdom and power and love. What do we have to fear? But if that hasn't settled down deep within us, if we haven't grown into that reality, we don't wear it out there. We don't wear it in our homes. We need to mature and grow into the revelation of that favor, of that grace, of that blessing, of that stability. And finally, we need to get some, we need to, to do that, we need to get some spiritual jungle oats in. Some spiritual jungle oats. You know, they say when you get some strength, you've got to eat your jungle oats. I'm not getting any royalties for this promotion this morning from Tiger Brands, but you've got to eat your jungle oats so that you can grow into the favor of God's blessing and the, and, and the favor that He desires to see not just in you with the potential to be realized, but the favor that He wants to see shining forth from you because you are wearing it, you are walking in it, you have come to a place of maturity where you understand how it works and you are growing in the expression of God's grace, of His calling, of His favor upon your life. That is how God gets the glory. That is how we shine as lights in the world. That is the salt that preserves the fearful atmosphere of everything that's going on around us. It, brings, it savors that atmosphere. It casts out the fear. It preserves the hope of mankind. Proverbs 4.23 says this, Keep your heart with all diligence. In other words, be very diligent about keeping your heart, for out of it flow the issues of your life. And finally, Philippians 2 verse 12, again from the Passion Translation, Paul writes to his beloved Philippian church and he says to them, My beloved ones, just like you've always listened to everything I've taught you in the past, I'm asking you now to keep following my instructions as though I were right there with you. Now, you must continue to make this new life fully manifested as you live in holy awe of God which brings you trembling into His presence. Folks, as I, as I close out today, I believe that God would have each and every one of us realize this morning and create a hunger in our hearts that there is so much more that God wants each one of us to taste of who He is 
to enter into and to experience than we could possibly ever even imagine. We are the blessed of God. I guess that's the church bell telling me my time is up. We are the blessed of God and His favor is upon us. We are the loved of God and His blessing rests upon us. Now when I look at my life, I need to realize that that which I am experiencing financially, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, occupationally, every, my experience in all spheres and areas of my life are the result of, of, of the level of my faith and the level of my obedience. If I want to increase that, if I want to experience greater favor, folks, I'm not... The, 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 the responsibility or... What's the word? Not the responsibility. The, the impetus of that does not lie with God. Because from him, His side, He's already given it all. It's there. There's the garment. There it is. And He's saying to you and to me this morning, here's this beautiful garment I've knitted for you. It makes Joseph's garment of many colors look cheap. I've got something amazing for you. And in some ways it fits. There's some parts of this garment. Maybe you've got the socks on and they fit just fine. <laughs> and, and maybe you've got the pants on and they fit just fine. But this, there's a jacket that I'm wanting you to wear. You're still wearing your kiddie's jacket. There's a new jacket I've got for you. And when people look at that jacket on you, they're going to say, my, 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 don't you look fine. And you will bring people into a new experience of that which you are walking in. There's more that God has for you in here. So, so, so much more. And if all I have done this morning is creating you a hunger to say, God, I know there's a calling in my life. I need to grow into it. Help me to do that. God, help me to understand your favor in my life that I may take hold of it and experience it more and more. Help me to understand, better understand the blessing that resides on me so that I can cooperate with it and work in it better. That I may give myself to your word and may give myself to obeying it. If that's all I've accomplished this morning, I would consider my job done. Because this is not the kind of message where, where I'm going to call you to the front and lay my hands on you. There's going to be some kind of amazing experience where God's suddenly going to zap you and do something awesome in your life. What I'm talking to you about are the spiritual disciplines of growing in intimacy with God through intimacy with His Word till we begin to take on the very likeness thereof. And that's a daily journey. It's a journey that the more we engage in it, the more hunger we develop for it. And the more hunger we develop for it, the more we experience the fruit and the blessing of it. So would you stand with me as we round out this morning in prayer? Father, I want to thank you today that as we stand in your presence... We do so as your sons and as your daughters, knowing that you are our Father. We thank you, Lord, for your love which you have lavished upon us through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you for your affirming Holy Spirit, the seal upon our hearts that reminds us that we are your children and by whose power and grace we cry out, Abba, Father. 
Lord, I want to thank you that in the midst of everything that's going on around us, when we lift our eyes to you, we see an almighty God who is not moved or shaken by these things. I want to thank you, Father, that our, our lives, when built upon your word, are established upon a rock which cannot be shaken. That your word is true. Your promises are faithful from everlasting to everlasting. Father, I thank you that this morning by your Spirit, you are inviting and calling us up to a higher level of experiencing your favor, your goodness, and your blessing over our lives. Thank you for everything that you have made available to us in and through Jesus. And Lord, we want to respond this morning. We want to understand, say, Lord, we understand that you are not holding out on us, but Father, you are waiting for us. Lord, in this moment, we want to respond to that call. Now, if you, wherever you are, whether you're sitting in your home right now, whether you're in this auditorium, if you sense the call of God saying, come up nearer, draw nearer, I want to encourage you to pray this prayer out with me in response to him. Say, Father God, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you withhold nothing from me. Help me to see my own immaturity. Help me to see the areas that I need to grow in faith and in obedience. And Holy Spirit, give me the grace, I pray, to do so. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We hope that you've enjoyed this message. For additional resources and more information, come and visit us at alphaomega.org.za.